Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here, here and we've got another interesting show, Business, the Law and You, lined up for this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. Uh, the first one is you don't have to be helpful all the time, which is an interesting point. Also, we're talking with Christina later on about some of those innovative ideas at around. But right now, we're going to cross over to the Transformational Group and have a chat with Kevin Holiday about team dynamics. Good afternoon, Kelvin. How are you going, Julian? I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm glad we got rid of that echo there. That's good. So, so businesses and not-for-profits, uh, what do you see the common challenges face in team dynamics and culture? Look, I, I think uh, what I'm actually seeing across the board is uh, this strong idea of, of not having a, a clear vision and clear goals. Mm. Uh, a lot, a lot of, a lot of businesses, particularly, are, are um, in this state of flux because you know, the uh, the different financial pressures and different ways in which technology is moving around the place. Um, is that businesses are trying to still find their way, and rather than uh, trying to concentrate. And I'm also seeing that in the not-for-profit world as well, where a lot of the not-for-profits are. Uh, you know, they've been might have been doing you know, care work or disability work for a long time, but um, yeah, some of the, the way in which the funding has changed around this of late is uh, is making them move into other areas. So having that clear vision, you know, clear sets of goals. Um, old Johnny Maxwell, uh, a great writer on on leadership and yep. stuff, and he says everything everything rises and falls on leadership. You know, yep. and uh, it's really that um, yeah, where the challenges are really coming up is is having that clarity and um, and making sure that people are leading their organisations and businesses well and um, having some clear personal goals and agendas. So, so a lot of people haven't got goals, and, and then a lot of them have got goals but don't share it with their team. Is that the problem? Yeah, it's exactly right, mate. It's, it's becoming, and it's becoming more and more challenging because uh, and some people are not wanting to share those goals because they're maybe afraid that they might not actually reach them. And, yeah. um, and so they're not, not sure about how to manage those expectations. So, so, so how do these challenges affect productivity? one of the biggest things I'm seeing is is um, people starting to get a bit of uh, lack of motivation and also it's creating a great deal of stress in the workplace. Um, and as we know, I, you know, I know myself, I get stressed, I, you know, your, your judgment gets clouded, you're, um, you start to, you're, you're not clear on what you're trying to do. And um, also some, some really interesting statistics that I've been, uh, been researching just recently, like um, in the workforce out there, yeah, 77% are actually getting physical signs of stress. Wow. Um, as a result of not being clear, not not knowing what they're going to do, what what next day of work's going to look like, um, you know, you start to and people actually um, the latest statistics in mental health, you thirty three percent of people are in what they call extreme stress to the stage where they're having time off work um, because at the end, obviously, time off work reduces productivity. But to, and if they do turn up. Um, yeah, they're, they're just not functioning at their full potential. And, and I suppose without these goals and direction, uh, the team is all going in different directions. That's exactly right. So, you know, the, another, another great old proverb, where there's no vision and no goal, um, people will perish. Yeah. And um, it's, it's exactly what it's about, mate. It's, it, you've got to be clear on where you're going and, uh, and being able to share that as well. So, so for our listeners who uh, may be in leadership or management roles, uh, what are some of the strategies they could use to overcome these challenges? I, I think uh, for me, what's worked for me and, and a lot of the organisations I've worked with is a regular accountability. And so look, we, we start off, and I've helped a lot of other organisations start off every, every single day with just a little three to five minute 
Now, how's everything going? Um, and where we're up to, we call it a campfire here, and um, we will just stand around and have a bit of a chat. And you now we're just making sure that everybody touches base and knows what they're supposed to be doing for the day, and um, but also hooks me your productivity. And um, it's also, I think, one of the biggest strategies is is actually um, being bold enough and, and taking the stand as a leader to create that clear vision and goals and then communicate them. Yeah. Now, and, and be transparent with that. Yeah, if you've got a particular goal and, um, and make them as smart as possible, you know, it's, it's not just a matter, matter of us pulling something out of the air, but being clear with your people and getting them involved in actually helping you create those goals and, and visions. Yeah. Once you get, you get that buy-in, you get people involved in it and they actually feel like they have, there's a sense of ownership um, and you continually, you know, you praise them, et cetera, et cetera, as you're going through. These are the strategies that, that you know, have worked for, for many, many years. Um, but there's nothing new here, but it's unfortunate. I'm seeing a lot of people are starting to drift away from it because they're, they're afraid in some respects of not actually meeting those expectations. They don't do it. And uh, I've been to your office and you've actually got a, a, an imitation campfire there and a bell to celebrate the wins. Oh, mate, yeah. Look, that, that particular one has, has been... Um, Sensational for us, you know. We we have it's a great culture, and uh, we have fun around it. And we call it our, as I said, we call it our campfire. You've seen it here, and and it does. It creates that sense of openness. And uh, I don't know about you, but I like the outdoors. So sitting around a campfire, you have that that sense of being able to share whatever you need to. And uh, creating that culture is an important part of having a bit of fun. It's not all serious, and uh, yeah, it makes a big difference. So, so from your experience, what level of improvement could be expected by adopting these strategies? The, uh, I've seen some, some pretty big numbers. You know, 20 to 30% increase is, is not uncommon. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and it's like massive. You can, you can actually increase your, your productivity, which then comes into, into the line of bottom line or at least the revenue, um, increasing without actually increasing people, you know, the number of people, which is quite an amazing turnaround. But one of the things I... I really think as far as the expectation is, is actually being able to measure things. Mm. Um, and so it's okay to have, the, have great goals and great strategy, um, but if you haven't got any way of measuring it, um, it's, it, that becomes a real, real challenge to us. You know? Yeah. So, so any final tips for our listeners today about team dynamics and the culture that increases productivity? Well, I, I think for me, I'll, I'll probably write them down maybe to, to maybe three tips for you. Um, be authentic or real is what I'd say. Uh, it, it's about maintaining a positive attitude, but if something's going wrong, um, be real about it. It's, it you, you can always frame things up in a positive way. You know, we're, we're trying, we're, we're, we're doing something. But that's it, there's putting something under the carpet mm. doesn't work. Yeah. You know, right? face, face it, be authentic, be real, and tell your team what's going on. That's probably number one. Um, Second one is to value your team. You know, like we, you've, you've heard about our bells, so we celebrate the wins both, you know, as a business and also personally. You know, we've had um, a, a, one of our uh, my general managers off to um, his wife's having a baby soon, so uh, we celebrated and we'll celebrate that win with with that family as well. So that's not just your your business goals; it's those personal ones as well. Mm. And uh, and I think valuing your clients is is another big one. Um, yeah, sometimes we get those clients are a bit of a you know we call them a bit of a pain in the neck, but. There are challenging people. Yeah, there's those challenging people out there, but, but keeping that positive. We call yeah. it a unicorn. Yeah, those, those, those people are just very special and unique. Great. Well, thanks for your time, Cal. Um, we'll have a chat with you again another time. My pleasure, Dylan. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Kelvin Holiday there from the Transformational Group. Yes, those team dynamics and culture, very, very important. Time to pop over to Christina for our 
discussion on innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well. A bit wet, bit wet out there. Uh, but yeah, it is a bit. But uh, that's good. Um, so again, we're going to talk about some innovative ideas that are happening. And uh, there's a lot happening in the 3D printing world to something to do with livers. Yes, there is. Yeah. So a medical student, a lot of these, a lot of these um, new innovations are coming from younger and younger people, which is, you know, fantastic because they're actually realising what the possibilities are. So there's a medical student in Poland who's created a patient-specific 3D model of a liver. So what that does is it helps um, doctors with diagnosis and it also helps surgeons if they're going to go in and operate so they know specifically what to go in and have a look at. So we're talking like the full liver anatomy, the blood vessels, any tumours that may be there and he's managed to do it for under $150. So the whole thing that we talk about nowadays is scaling and sometimes we're actually talking about scaling down. So when we're talking about cost, we're looking at how do we make it cheaper by the unit, by by the frequency. So for $150, and this particular liver was constructed in 72 hours, which is quite a remarkable thing. If you're going in for surgery, to have a surgeon actually be able to have a look at physically what they're going in to do. And it also adds to the, you know, um, there's lots of keyhole surgery happening these days, particularly not so much with tumours because they have to be careful not to break a tumour when they take it out of a body. But if you can do the least damage that you can do to a body as you when you enter it to repair something, obviously the healing time is quicker. So this has exponential um, potential for improving surgery, for improving outcomes, healing outcomes, you know, the, the, the time and things like that that a patient has to recover. So amazing technology. And, and over the last few days we've been hearing a lot about uh, solar battery storage uh, uh, yep. Someone's come up with a low-cost battery storage. Yeah, so these guys are from Stanford. So they're actually professors at Stanford. Um, they're Stanford engineers, and they've come up with um, a, a low-cost solution for storing renewable energy during off-hours. So we've still got the solar panels on the roofs, but what happens is the battery, um, which is high-performing and it's non-flammable, which is really important in this arena, uh, is made using urea, which is an ingredient mass-produced for plant fertilisers. So the battery has got electrodes, um, and apparently they're made from aluminium and graphite. When I talk about the scientific components, I'm, I'm kind of just quoting because I'm, I'm not that my brain doesn't work that way. I kind of think in the in the creative field, but they're both low cost and they're both abundant resources. So what happens is the battery can be up to a hundred times cheaper, uh, and it only takes about forty five minutes to recharge. So if anything happens off peak, you can run the house, run the you know the air conditioning, charge the car, do all kinds of things from this battery, which is quite amazing. Um, And, you know, that whole there's a whole debate happening around Elon Musk's offer to South Australia, and there's some people that are so negative about it, Mm. um, and and yet that goes against all the innovative practices that we learn about, going, just try, just say yes, give it a go, see what happens, you know, but we're still erring on the side of caution, still not game enough to take risks. And and going back into the space age, flying drone Mm. taxis. Yes. So in Dubai, they reckon they're going to be ready as early as summer, which is like, you know, only a couple of months away for them, but flying drone taxis. And what that means is that a a passenger service will be used to transport people by air. So and apparently, now I don't know how this converts into kilos, but it's 220 pounds. Um, will be the the maximum weight of a passenger that will that can be transported at the moment. Obviously, these will you know the, the bigger they become, 
um, and the more work we do on them, then obviously they'll be able to transport whole families eventually. But sure. the drones are going to be closely monitored um, because obviously we want to avoid uh, air, you know, air disasters. But they've started testing the flying drones already in Dubai. And what that does for the congested streets um, and the number of accidents on the road, uh, you know, and what it will then do for the number of autonomous vehicles that we'll, we will be using and then flying vehicles, who knows where the whole thing is going to end. So that's <laughs> well, quite, quite We'll have the problem in well. air then, won't we? Well, potentially, and that's what people are saying, you know. Then if we're, if we're looking at um, vehicles that transport more than one person, because if you, you know, I don't know about you, but the more I drive, the more I realise how many one one person per vehicle yeah. on the road. It's quite it's quite frightening, really. You know, every, everybody's now got a car. Everyone yeah. in the family has a car, and that can't be good for the environment. No. Well, thanks for your time. We'll have a chat again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have, have a, a good great week. week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with those innovative ideas, particularly those 3D printers, and I believe uh, Ford are now print, printing uh, some of their spare parts. So, uh, yes, it's a, it's a great tool, for particularly for small businesses that want small quantities. We've got time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. Uh, you don't have to be helpful all the time. Most research shows that helping others make us feel happy and energised. But the reality is that lending a hand to co-workers can often be exhausting, draining or cognitive and emotional resources and leaving us too tired and depleted to perform our subsequent tasks. So how can you help colleagues while protecting your productivity? First, it's important to recognise that in addition to its positive effects, helping has negative effects that may persist for hours or days. Second, if you are feeling depleted, Take actions to resource, restore your energy. Take a break, go for a walk or sneak in a nap. Lastly, give yourself permission to put off the request for help. You may not want to refuse outright, though that's an option too, but you can agree to assist at a future and more opportune time for you, such as the end of the workday or work week after you have accomplished your own goals. So this is an interesting point because we often do want to rush in and help people. But remember, we've got goals to achieve. And uh, as we were talking about teamwork and productivity earlier. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I, I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, team dynamics and culture, particularly focusing on where are you going and, and the vision that you need for your business and sharing that. And those little group meetings around the campfire sound interesting, don't they? We've also looked at some of those new innovative ideas. In a moment, John Slaven will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, uh, we'll talk about the growing power of video with Paul Godden from Business Video for Profit. We'll have that minute with innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Jim Rowan once said, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.